This is the All 7 Days Podcast. I am Stan Fields, and that is... Trevor Montgomery. How are you? Trevor is fresh out of the woods. Fresh out of the woods. No injuries. Did you shower? Last night. Okay, thanks. I appreciate it. And any tips? None that I could find. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully there is none. (laughs) Hopefully hopefully you won't find them later and uh, they get your twin. I did get some some, uh, bug bites. Any any chiggers? No. Have you ever but, had? Uh, have you ever had a chigger? Not that I'm aware. Man, of. they I, they itch. They're, they're It's a deep. It's a deep seated yeah. soul searching itch. I think I got bit by horse flies because <laughs> these are like I got welts. You got welts. Yes. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. And that coughing in the background that is joining us today is Mr. Bradley Cox from Greer. How are you doing, Bradley? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Hey, congratulations! Twenty years married to your first wife. Yeah, man. To your first wife. Yeah, congratulations. Man. Twenty years. It's it. It didn't take as long to get to twenty as I thought it would. Man, are you? Man, you are not kidding. There, it it just goes by so fast. We were talking. I was talking to somebody the other day about how when you get older, how time just speeds up. And we were yeah. talking about how it used to be when I was a kid, summer vacation at, at school just lasted forever forever those three months off and then christmas it took forever for christmas to get here and now it's like a clicker mm-hmm. they just they just yeah. go by just one after the other it's like man christmas was just yesterday and here we come we're coming up on another one and you know it, it just it just flies yeah. it does it does so, the older we get the less first we have and i think you know when you do something the second time you know it's like you, you do a hike at Tallulah gorge the first time you do it, it feels like it's forever. Mm-hmm. And then the second time, yeah. it doesn't feel as long. Yeah. And the third time, it's even shorter. And life is that way. It just, with each passing year, it just, it goes by fast. Because I think we're paying less attention to the details the second go around than we are the first. Yeah, I will tell you something uh, that gets longer every time I do it. And that is driving I-16 South Georgia from, <laughs> all the way across from Savannah to uh what's that little town in georgia there uh god it's terrible i shouldn't even brought this up um south of atlanta come on help me out bradley south of atlanta yeah from savannah to like macon or macon thank you macon yeah yeah savannah to macon just it's there's nothing to look at out there but trees i think they stretch i think they stretch that highway that's one thing that takes longer with age to do yeah. drive across there it's it's horrifically terrible but uh so what are we doing here today we are we are normally answering your questions but we've already answered some and now bradley is going to weigh in on what we've been talking about the last few weeks uh we actually had him scheduled earlier and then realized by the time we had him back we'd only released one episode <laughs> so it was going to be our shortest episode ever and we thought we would uh, try to lengthen this out so we normally take your questions, so send those in at ask at all 7 dayscom or you can voicemail or text at 864-42, what the heck is my number? 864-970, what? I don't even know the number. 664-660-9473, I've only said it. Hey, this by the way, we are legal today, this is our 21st episode, and, all right. uh, and I, think we, I think we have 12 listeners. So it's it's really good. We're we're, we're slowly building. <laughs> slowly. We're doing way better than that, from what I've heard. <laughs> we're doing okay. I, you know, well, you know, we'll see. 
Uh, so 864-660-9473. I can't say it. 9473-9473. Voicemail or text. Get those questions in, and maybe we'll remember to check our voicemail and answer those for you. Get your mugs, all7days.com slash shop. You can help us out with some slash donate on that as well. We are looking at becoming a 501c3 organization and doing some daily devotional podcasts, other things, and uh, we would appreciate your support to make that happen. We're going to take a quick break. This is the All 7 Days Podcast. Hey, pastors and church administrators, listen to this. All 7 Days is proud to be partnered with Faith Teams. Faith Teams is a web-based church management software with all the features your church needs and price so that any church can afford it. It's packed with features including attendance tracking, kids check-in, volunteer scheduling, automated guest follow-up, contributions, online giving and text to give, built-in email and text messaging tools, and a whole lot more. Best of all, it's all in one single system at a price that makes sense. They have a free 14-day trial so you can try the entire system before you pay a dime. Keep it in pages $40 a month. That's right, $40 a month for every available feature. Go to all7days.com slash faithteams to learn more and use the links provided for your free 14-day trial. When you sign up, tell them All 7 Days sent you. Faith Teams, the easy and affordable church management software. If you've been wondering where the opening and closing music for the All 7 Days podcast came from, that was all made possible by Westminster Effects. Westminster Effects exists to equip the church musician while highlighting the richness of church history. Explore the smoke-filled ambience of the Spurgeon Hall reverb. Add some meat, or sausage, to your tone with a Zwigly SDD3K, and make every note the raunchiest of solos with the Osteen distortion. Visit WestminsterEffects.com for hand-wired theology sound guitar effects made in South Carolina. It's the All 7 Days Podcast. We're all here together to try to uh, get some uh, rhyme or reason around some answers Trevor and I have put out there. Uh, the, last, uh, the last time uh, Pastor Bradley was here with us, um, we had talked about many things, but here are the episodes that we have not yet talked about. The first one that we've aired since, uh, since Pastor Bradley's here was our Couples and Coffee episode where we talked with a couple small group that I was a part of, and Trevor did an awesome job interviewing us answering all kinds of uh questions that he threw our way so uh i'm, I'm not going to comment anymore on this episode because i was in it you were in it so <laughs> so so uh but it, i mean it, it was kind of interesting uh, i said that i was not going to comment and then i'm going to comment right it was kind of interesting to, to to talk about some of the uh some of the things we had actually done together ministry wise through that group that came from that um and you can go back and listen to, to hear more about that but uh, Bradley, uh, what did you hear on that? Uh, what kind of advice could you give us, and uh, what else do we need to know? Well, I mean, you guys had some good questions that you sent me about that. Um, you, you mentioned what kind of, I think, Stan, what kind of ministry have you seen come out of small groups, internal and external, and then I thought Trevor had a really good question about introducing new members into an established group. Yeah. Um, I think those are good questions that point to like you know, well, they they those questions force us to ask some bigger questions or deeper questions about w what are our small groups about. Mm -hmm. I think t people when they 
when they hear about or they think about small groups in a local church, most of the time their first thought is relationships, building friendships, building community. And a lot of times, even from the church leadership standpoint, our first thoughts are about that. We want people to connect because we want them to stay. Um, and if they're just attending on Sunday morning and they're lost in the crowd, the chances of us keeping people and discipling people um, seem to be very small. Right. So we, you know, when I when I was exploring starting small groups at Res Church, um, that was my first thought was I've got to find a better way to connect people with people mm-hmm. in my church. And uh, right around the same time, the Lord connected me with a a man today that I consider to be my pastor, my my spiritual father, if you will, who who I, I meet with him every week and. The first conversation I ever had with him, he was asking me about myself, he's asking about my church, and I told him that we were moving toward a small group model for discipleship, and his first question was, why? And I started to sort of regurgitate some of the things that I had read and thought about, is that, you know, well, we want people to connect and build friendships and community, because and, that's where discipleship happens, and it, it was a long conversation, and he asked a lot uh, a lot of real probing questions, but the root of it all was, you know, small groups can't first be about relationships. And I think uh, it, you can have affinity groups, um, in other words, or, or common interest groups, or groups that are exclusively or first and foremost about fellowship, but those groups are not going to get very deep. Right. Um, it, it, I think the if you if you are going after a small group where people are really growing in Christ, I think the leading edge of that has to be the Bible. That's what we're about. That's what everything we're, we're doing as a group is revolving around our, our desire and our effort and our intentionality around getting to know God better through the Scripture. Um, it's, it's, it is a Bible study, but it's more than that. It's in, we're, we're, in, we're, our, First, desires to encounter God together. And then secondly, um, I'm just kind of giving you my thoughts after five, six years of doing small groups. The groups that I think have done the best are the ones that put the Bible first, serving second, and community third. All three are important, but there is an order to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when, when the Bible is first... I think a believer coming into an established group, even if they're a young believer... The on-ramp is shorter and easier to jump into a Bible study than it is to a group that's leading with the Bible as opposed to a group that's leading with their established friendships. I can invite invite someone in to talk about Scripture with me uh, quicker and easier than I can invite someone to, to jump in with me in an established friendship where we've got a lot of inside jokes and history together. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think serving actually builds relationships quicker mm-hmm. than anything else. You can get together for a solid year having coffee and donuts every Monday night and versus go on a missions trip with a, a dozen people for one week, and I guarantee you the friendships and the, the, the Christian community will be stronger coming out of that missions trip than it will be after a year of coffee and donuts. Yeah, I agree. So that's why I, that, I totally that's agree. why I say 
Bible first, serving second, community third. And I think a lot of the questions get answered when you get that order right. Right. Yeah, totally agree. And I grew up in a church where small groups weren't a thing. Right. And I think I could have used that going through, you know, my late teen years, early 20s, somewhere to connect um, with like-minded people yeah. instead of connecting with the wrong type of people. And so I, I totally agree. I think small groups are great, but there also has to be, you know, Bible first, and you could connect a whole lot faster. Um, and then the relationships come. Yeah. And so I, th I see you a know, big I, I've been in, look, for 20 years, same amount of time I've been married. And um, I came into local church ministry about the time that everybody was shoving Sunday school out the door. Mm -hmm. At least in the modern churches, mm -hmm. they were. Right. There was this real, you know, I don't know, movement really to do away with that and, and do something else. And small groups was one of the options. But if you think about, you know, Sunday school was very successful for a long period of time, you know, at, at least in certain parts of the country. And I, I think because of its basic premise, let's get people in smaller groups and let's study the Bible. And out of that, a lot of Sunday school groups began to serve in some way or another, either serving each other or serving in the community, serving in the church, or all the above. And out of that, a lot of friendships developed. And it certainly it was not without its problems, but you know, small groups kind of flipped that on its head and said, let's get people off campus, let's get people out of the context of church right. and see if we can help them build friendships. And not that that's bad, I just don't think that should be the first priority in discipleship. Right. Gotcha. All right. Anything else? No, that's great. All right. Moving on. Uh, final preparations. So uh, this was the question that came, uh, you know, what what uh, we would do if we had gotten the news that uh, it was over. <laughs> uh, time, it's, it's time to go meet your maker. What are you going to do? And uh, yeah. we, we kind of took the spin on it that we, we never know when it's time to meet our maker. It could be, it could be in 10 minutes. Uh, so what should we do now without without delay and getting ready to do that? So, uh, yeah. Such a great question. <laughs> such, such a great question, isn't it? I mean, yeah. um, it, it, you, you guys have seen the movie Braveheart, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, th there's that scene that I love towards the end where, you know, William Wallace has been He's been captured and condemned, and the princess, I can't remember her name, she comes into his dungeon, and she's so distraught um, about thinking about the torture that's ahead of him before right. he dies. You know, and most people, most Christians that I find, they're not afraid of dying, they're afraid of the process of dying. Right. Yeah. How am I going to die? Yeah. Um, is it going to be painful? Is it going to be slow? Is it going to be drawn out? Am I going to be sick? You know, what, what's going to happen? And, um, and, you know, he's facing a brutal torture ahead of death, and she comes in and says, I can't bear the thought of your torture, and she tries to convince him to drink some sort of, I don't know what it was, drug, whatever, that would numb him and numb right. his wits mm -hmm. so that it would dull the pain. And and his response back to her was, "If basically, I'm paraphrasing, if I do that, it'll numb my wits. And right. everything that I've lived for could be compromised. Right, yeah. 
and that's such a powerful scene. You know, he actually, for the, for her sake and her own grief, he actually lets her put the drug in his mouth, and she leaves, and then he spits it out, right. which is just powerful, right? Yeah. Um, here's a man. What can we take away from that? Here's a man who his he lived his life for one thing, you know, the liberation of Scotland, and what he was not willing to do was compromise everything that he had fought for and everything that he had led others to fight for by dying, not dying well. Right. And I think the Christian, we're called to the same thing, right? We're, yeah. You know, Stan, you're, you came and preached it at Rest Church, and it, it's something that you taught in your church for a long time, and now you've lived that out as this Philippians, Paul's words, you know, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Yeah. Um, I think this is something Paul thought about long before he was within shouting distance of his own death. And I think it's something that Christians should think about too. And it's it's not easy to do. Um, death feels so distant, distant from us until it doesn't. Right. Um, and, and, in, and in my opinion, I thought a lot about this. Um, I think the best thing we can do is start to, whether we've got the diagnosis or not, is start to minimize distractions from the Word of God and from worship mm-hmm. as much as possible. Yeah. Anything and everything that distracts us from storing up the Word in our hearts, right, and yeah. delighting in God, magnifying God, exulting in God, anything that's taking us away from that is not helping us prepare for death. Um, I actually read an article that uh, John Piper wrote uh, a few years ago, where he talked about one of the one of the most you know sweet Christian ladies in his church was in the hospital and she was in her final days or hours, and he walked into the room and the TV was on, and the TV was just blaring and it was playing all kinds of whatever, and she yeah. was actually distraught about her death. And, and the, the premise of the article was, you know, not that having a TV on in the hospital when you're dying is a sin in and of itself, but he felt like it was distracting her from the truth that she knew. Right. And so he just said, let's turn the TV off and let's start to rehearse the scripture and let's worship Jesus. Yeah. And he said it was like a peace that just came over her. Yeah. Um, an example of that in my own life would be my grandfather. I mean, in... I don't know, I cannot think of one time, and when he died, I was, to see, it was five years ago, so I was 37. So in 37 years, I can't think of one time I was around him for longer than a few hours, that I didn't see him open his Bible, that he didn't at some point pray himself where I could hear him or call us all to prayer, mm. uh, that he didn't speak of his love for Jesus, that he didn't, it, it's some, in some way, you know, driving down the road or um, walking around at Walmart, just it would just bubble up out of him as an expression of worship to God. Um, he just loved Jesus. I mean, he was a farmer, he was a, a mill worker, he was a small engine repair man. Never pastored a church, but man, was he in love with Jesus. And he died well. I watched him towards the end. He suffered with kidney disease for about three years. And he just, he never lost his joy. 
he never, he never, uh, like, the, the degree to which his kidneys were not functioning towards the end, he had to be incredibly uncomfortable. Right. But you never would have known it. Mm. At, at least, yeah, he would get itchy, he would be in pain, uh, at times he didn't feel good, but it never stopped him from celebrating the Lord. Right. Or wanting to be, and, and the scripture would just bubble up out of him, and I think that, I think that prepared him. So, you know, I think Trevor asked it this way, which I think is really good. You know, beyond getting our home and our finances and our burial and the funeral and all that stuff ready, what can we do? What we can do is store up the Word and worship and minimize everything that's distracting us from that as much as possible. Kind of a call to that uh, minimalistic lifestyle almost. Just all go get tiny houses and... uh, (laughs) Did you unplug? You unplugged. No, did. I, you didn't want to hear a thing. Hit, He's already minimizing distractions. <laughs> he turned us off. Stand stuck. <laughs> I was just saying, it's kind of a call to get a tiny house and you know, <laughs> go go live on nothing. You know, if, if you think that, about it, you got to get rid of the things that really don't matter. You know, yeah, we get caught really up in all these material That's things so or yeah. social media things that have no bearing whatsoever to our happiness. Very and true. so, very true. I think and you know it's true. You know what's too true too, Trevor. Is um, a lot of a lot of how we determine what matters is based on what we're used to. Mm-hmm. You know, I just spent a week in New York um, City with my wife. That was where we went for our twentieth. And um, it, it, the people up there live a completely different lifestyle. Um, you know, most people don't have a car. Uh, at least you know the common folk like like us. You know, we, they don't drive a car. They they rely on public transportation. It takes them two hours to get anywhere, and that's but that's what they're used to. Mm-hmm. And for me, that drives me crazy because I love to get in my truck and be wherever I want to be in you know twenty minutes or less. Yeah. Um, that matters to me because that's what I'm used to, and I think. You know, we get used to certain things. We get used to having the TV on when we're home, for example. And so when the TV is turned off, it feels like there's a void there. And sometimes people get very anxious about that. They don't know what to do if they don't have their phone in their hand checking social media. Well, I mean, 15 years ago, we didn't have that. Yeah. So it, 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 it's it part. Of, I think part of preparing... For our final days and hours, is really backing up and letting the Bible inform us about what matters, and that may or may not mean that we need to get a tiny house, but it it does mean that <laughs> I think the Scripture will help us minimize distractions because we're so distracted nowadays. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Very true. Very true. All right, next topic: spiritual fight club. Um, this is where we we talked about the uh, the scripture in uh, in Ephesians, mm-hmm. uh, where mm-hmm. it's, it's getting ready to talk to talk to us about the uh, armor of God and putting that on. And uh, uh, the the question was asked by by Carmel Carmel that uh, where is this heavenly realm and uh, and who and who lives there? What 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 kind of forces are there? Yeah, the uh, evil. Yeah. So, uh, so what's your take on on heavenly realms, there, Bradley? Well, I I, I don't want to talk for an hour, but um, but you will. <laughs> no, simply, <laughs> I think I'm just I want to try to help simplify this. 
there's another dimension. I, I think mm-hmm. throughout history, um, man has asked the question, is this all there is? Yeah. And why, why do we do that? I think it's because there's something instinctive, the thumbprint of God, if you will, on us, that we know that what we can see, touch, taste, hear, and smell is not all that there is. Yeah. And when, I, when the Bible talks about heavenly realms, spiritual forces, that's what it's talking about. And, and we tend to hear those terms and we want to think location. Mm-hmm. So is the heavenly realms up in the sky? There are words in Scripture that are translated in our English Bibles as heaven or heavens right. that do refer to the sky, the stars, the moon, the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but what Paul's talking about here is not up and out right. as much as he's talking about on another side, yeah. another dimension, right? I think heaven is a lot closer proximity-wise than we realize. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, when, you know, the Bible talks about when um, when we die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I believe in a present heaven where all believers, when they die, they are present with the Lord. Jesus looked at the thief on the cross and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. So there is a, a temporary heaven, a present heaven. Uh, I believe the eternal heaven will be the new heavens and the new earth where God makes his dwelling place among his people, as it talks about in Revelation. But what Paul is talking about here, I think, is that other dimension in which the forces of Satan, demons, uh, are operating and exerting influence in our present experience. But that's largely outside of our perception. In other words, we don't see it, but we know it. Mm -hmm. And what Paul wants the Christian to know is that our enemy is not ultimately flesh and blood. And think about who's writing this. This is Paul, who was beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, stoned, thrown off a cliff. You know, Paul, are you out of your mind that your enemy's not flesh and blood? But Paul knew that, that really the enemy that he faced was not people, but it was the the enemy's influence right. in flesh and blood. That was his that that was his problem. And and so look at the armor he says to put on. Mm-hmm. You know, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. These are these the, these these things point us to the truth that God has revealed about himself and about salvation and about his kingdom that we're to put on, and really if you keep reading in that passage, he really says, put it on not just for your sake, but for the sake of others. Mm-hmm. Like, right. like I put it on for Stan. Yeah. Um, I put it on for Trevor, and, and you guys put it on for me. You put on that belt of truth and the helmet of salvation because there are times when the enemy, Satan himself, his, his de- demons, his minions, works in my life in such a way, or he exerts influence in my life in such a way that I might question my salvation. Mm -hmm. But Stan puts on that helmet not only for your sake, but for my sake too, so that you can remind me that I am in Christ and I am a new creation and that Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and no one's going to take them out of my hand, right? Like you, you remind me of that. You put that helmet on for me. And so simple answer to Carmel's question is that the heavenly realms is referring to that dimension that we can't see in which Satan himself and his his demons, spiritual forces, 
that's that's talking about the forces of hell, the demons and Satan himself. That's the sphere in which they work and exert influence right. in our experience. Mm-hmm. It's just that there's more to reality than what we can see, and Paul's pointing us that to that in Ephesians six. Awesome. Anything to add, Trevor? No, I, I think um, I, I had mentioned something how I felt that influence in my life steering me away from what I was being called to do, you know, being called to go back to church and connect um, closer to God. And I felt that experience or I felt that influence. And I was just wondering, have you known anybody or seen anybody go through something similar and then um, if they had any success or um, I guess failure, you know, we talked about all the people that come into church and then they turn around and just walk right out. And yeah. it can't just be because the coffee's not good. You know, there's something there well, that's that's influencing them to leave. I don't want to talk about our coffee, but it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> you know, um, the, the first person that comes to mind, Trevor, is a, a, a guy I met when I was in college. His name is Randy Chester. One of the best. Stan, one of the best guitar players, bass guitar players I've ever met in my life. Just an incredible musician. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate people he got, like that. <laughs> and, oh man, he is—he would blow your mind. <clears throat> but he, um, before I knew him, he had gotten wrapped up in drugs and even some occultic practices. Um, it just, you know, I think. I think the the drug culture led him into some of that, uh, where he was messing around with, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't even know what all, I'm not going to try to guess, but I just know that it was demonic, satanic kind of stuff he was fiddling around with, and long story short, he got to the point where he found himself in a bathtub with a voice in his ear telling him to slit his wrist, Mm. and uh, he did, he slit his wrist, passed out in the bathtub. Thankfully, his head didn't sink below the water. And uh, somebody found him, um, got him help, and somehow, I don't really know the details, but somebody pointed him to Jesus. Um, And he, man, you talk about somebody that got saved. Oh my goodness, just, it's not that all the struggles and addictions and trauma and and psychological issues all went away overnight mm-hmm. but somebody that just fell in love with Jesus and it was like you know how when you go into a dark room and you flip on a light switch and all of a sudden the darkness just leaves yeah. I mean, where light is darkness can't stay it what fell away from him immediately was the darkness right. and, and I think that's what Christians need to Bible, Jesus said resist the devil he'll flee Right. Like, like there, there's not. It, we don't, we don't need to treat the devil and demons and wicked spiritual forces in high places with, you know, contempt or triviality. We don't. The Bible says, "Don't give the devil a foothold." But there is a power at work greater in us than the power that's at work yeah. in the world. Right. And so when that happened, Randy just immersed himself in the Scripture. Um. And worship became one of the best songwriters I've ever personally known. Um, got married, is raising. I think he's on his seventh child now. And <laughs> is, <clears throat> he, he must be saved. <laughs> he leads worship in a church. He teach, 
teaches uh, you know guitar lessons and other other instruments um, and just he's doing so good you know um, and it, that, that was somebody that I felt like he'd given the devil a foothold and and the enemy the, the forces at work in the heavenly realms were really starting to exert influence to the point that he was about to kill himself um, but I, really, the Lord rescued him, Trevor, um, and I think, you know, it was just so sweet to see somebody just uh, go from darkness to light. You know, the, like Paul talks about in Colossians, we've been called out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. And that's a guy that I say, yep, you know, he certainly, his story reflects that. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Our next uh, episode was Don't Grow Weary. And this is uh, a, a, a guy called, uh, wrote in asking for tips on how he and his wife uh, can continue serving in a ministry that is really draining, draining him financially, it sounded like, and her physically. Um, mm. Really, really tough. They're, I mean, working their tails off, uh, but, you know, it sounds like tremendous burnout, but a tremendous need being met as well. Um, mm. So, uh, you you speak to uh, speak to this gentleman. You know? Do you know this guy? I do not. I, I mean, maybe you, I, maybe you can't say. No, I I don't. I've never met him. Uh, we've conversed okay. a few times. Okay. Well, this question, um, I, I don't know. It, it bothered me. Uh, a little bit like I feel like there's more there and I could be yeah. wrong if, if this person's listening um, I, I, I just kind of sense like some tension about the ministry itself mm -hmm. um, like maybe this couple's not quite on the same page biblically about why they're doing what they're doing yeah um, it you know it it's one thing for something to be taxing draining you know like the, the the Macedonians in yeah. Acts. Mm -hmm. Paul says, look, in extreme poverty and great affliction, they gave to the point that Paul told them to stop. Yeah. You know, and, and they did it because they wanted to. Yeah. Great, so, great joy. I think it's possible. Yeah, it, it's possible. When, when I start to hear things like, this is draining, this is causing a strain on my marriage, I want, I want to start to ask some some deeper questions, okay? Because mm -hmm. I don't think the problem necessarily is this feeding program. Right. Uh, the problem might be where this couple is spiritually right now, mm -hmm. um, individually and together. Um, I, I would want to ask some questions about that. I would want to ask some questions about where they're rooting their thinking for this ministry biblically. Mm -hmm. um, because let, let's just be honest. Is it, is it a great thing to feed the hungry? Yes, yeah. absolutely it's yeah. a great thing. We, our church does that every week, so I don't want anybody to write it in the stand and say, Bradley doesn't think we should be feeding the hungry. <laughs> no, Jesus My did it a couple of times. It, I, our church does it every week, but that's not... Giving somebody a, a piece of bread when they're hungry is not the gospel. Right. It's not even necessarily yeah. the kingdom in and of itself. Um, and, and he kind of alludes to the fact that he feels like we're, we're feeding people and most of them are not, their lives aren't changing. And, you know, Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And even when Jesus met with the rich young ruler and said, I want you, you know, he asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he told that rich young ruler, sell everything you have and give it indiscriminately away to the poor. That wasn't about the poor. That was about that man's heart. Right. Uh, as much as it was about that man's heart. So it's not that Jesus doesn't care about the poor. He does. And certainly the New Testament, you know, points us to care for the poor. Um, but my question would be, what, what are you and your wife, do you have a sense that we are participating with Jesus in his kingdom through this feeding program? Right. And, and, and is that something that you you have come to believe and understand through prayer, through time in the Word? You know, it, that would be one of the first questions I would ask, is that, is this just something that one of you launched off and did, or you just felt like it would be a good thing to do, or it fell in your lap, and it's. It, he said it's successful. So mm-hmm. uh, that you know that I, I'd be interested to understand what he means by that. But that would be one thing: is that are you guys on the same page with what Jesus is leading you to do? And the other right. thing is, he says it is affecting his marriage. Um, you know, my question would be why, um, like. You know, my wife and I have been doing ministry together in all kinds of contexts for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to sit here and say that ministry's never affected my marriage, or there haven't been times where it has. Right. But those, those, I would say those have been moments uh, and not seasons. Yeah. Um, now, there was a season where John Piper said, you know, he asked his elders for an eight-month sabbatical because he needed to focus on his marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, he needed, he, uh, I read his blog about it and he said, you know, I, I needed to let Noel know that she was a greater priority to me than the church. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I just don't think that Jesus leads us to compromise our marriage, uh, for the sake of things like feeding programs or even a local right. church, you right. know, um, the, the quality of what I do at Res flows from a healthy marriage, not in spite of it. Right. Um, you know, my marriage has to be in a good place in order for me to do what I do. And so I think that my encouragement to this couple without knowing a lot of detail would be, you know, some sort of sabbatical might be good if that's possible. Mm, yeah. And take a season to pray mm-hmm. and say, Lord, what you know, have we missed it? Have we missed your timing? Have we missed your plan? Would you show us, seek the counsel of trusted pastors and leaders in your life and just take a step back if that's possible. Uh, take a step back. If it's not possible to take a sabbatical, I still would advocate to make room, whatever you got to do in other areas of your life, make room for intentional prayer uh, together about this. You know, don't just, I think a couple's tendency is let's just sit down and talk till we're blue in the face and you hear my opinion and I'll hear your opinion. And not that that's bad, but I think you need to start with prayer mm-hmm. and let prayer and the scripture, you know, lead you through this tension that, that is obvious and exists. And I'm assuming that the wife would acknowledge the same things that yeah. it is affecting their marriage. It is draining in, in a number of ways. And so, yeah, my heart goes out um, to this guy because I think that, you know, there, there seems to be a lot of layers to this. Yeah. That, um, you know, my encouragement would be to, to pray and maybe get some counsel too. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Great idea.
you hate to see any ministry go under because of something like this uh, if it's if it's doing you know what God wants yeah. it to do but it does not he does not want it to destroy a marriage because that is the image of he and the church right and anytime that that breaks up it's it's not a good testimony yeah you know and I'm glad you said that Stan I actually wrote that down in a few notes that I made for today but marriage marriage is the picture of Christ's relationship with his bride the church and so why would we ever think that Jesus would put us in a position for the health of our marriage to be compromised for the sake of things like feeding the hungry yeah. or even preaching on Sunday morning or counseling other people. He would not lead us to do that because our marriages matter too much in the kingdom. That, that, that I'm a big advocate that that's our, you know, next to our relationship with God, that's the most important relationship in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, is is that with my wife and and everything, you know? It's it it's not that I couldn't do what God's asked me to do without my wife. If she decided, you know, or she, if she let's just say she bailed on the faith, stopped coming to church, I think God would grace me to do what He's asked me to do and still love my wife well. Yeah. Um, but when a couple is, you know, endeavoring to work together and it's draining. I think that's a warning sign or symptom of maybe some deeper problems or issues, discrepancies that might need to be explored. So um, I don't know what that guy's name is, but um, if I can help you in any way and you're listening, Stan's got my number. Give me a call. I'd be happy to talk with you. Be glad to. Be glad to. All right. Uh, we will uh, we will stop there because we're out of episodes to talk about. And uh, I've got... I've How got, long do we go? I don't know. How long did we go? Um, 42 minutes. 42 minutes. Not, not bad. bad. It's not bad. Uh, that might be your shortest ever. Of course, we've got to close. <laughs> and uh, I've got to go grout. I've got to go grout tile. So, uh, oh, man. <laughs> that's fun. Uh, so this is the All 7 Days Podcast. Thank you, Bradley, for, for coming Thank on you. again today. And, Thanks for uh, having me. And putting your, uh, putting your uh, words out there. They're very helpful and very appreciated. Uh, this is the yeah, All Seven Days Pod. Yes, sir. The, uh, this is the All Seven Days Podcast. Remember to get your questions in. Ask at all seven days dot com. We'll see if we can get this phone number right this time. Eight six four six six zero nine four seven three. Voicemail or text. Get those in. Help us out with the podcast. All Seven Days dot com slash shop or slash donate. This is the All Seven Days Podcast, where the goal is to make you think so highly of God that you forget about yourself. Now go give someone what you value most today.